Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we actually grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief, death, pain and agony, but with comedians. So it's not that depressing, I promise. It's bleak, but you'll laugh as well, which for me is a perfect night in. Each week on Griefcast, I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief, as we remember someone special that they had lost along the way. It's not easy to talk about death, but it does help if you've chosen a career designed to hide your true feelings about anything emotional. Whether it was long ago or you've just lost someone, Griefcast is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. This week, I'm talking to John Harvey. John is a comedy producer, but also writes and creates his own content on his very successful YouTube channel. John came to talk to me about his older brother, who passed away a year ago. Hello. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with John Harvey, writer, producer, YouTuber, editor. Uh, you worked on Time Trumpet with Amada Nucci. You've done so much stuff, but obviously today that's not. We're not just talking about his comedy career. So, John, who are we remembering today on Griefcast? Um, we're going to talk about my brother Dan. Was he older, younger? So he was nine years older than me. Oh, nine! There's quite a gap. Yeah, quite a gap. And yeah. then my sister and I came along quite quickly. She's a oh. year younger than me. Oh wow! Minus four days. So. Irish oh. twins, yeah. <laughs> so, so Dan was there quite a bit before us, yeah, and um, yeah. so I can't remember oh, not yeah, him being there. Yeah, he yeah. he was always a part of my life. Yeah. From, and right did there. you get on very well as kids? Was that nine year gap quite useful? Because, you know, he's not going to want your toys and stuff like that. <laughs> no, yeah. it was yeah, it was useful. It was it, he he sort of was the archetypal older brother in that sense that he was someone to show me things and introduce me to stuff like sports or you know, video games or whatever sort of young boys are into. Um, he was, you know, the one sort of leading the way, really. So it was for that reason. Yeah, it was it feel really, felt really natural, even though it was a big gap. So he finished school the summer before I started at the same school. So we were oh, never wow, there yeah. at exactly the same time. 
but he, he but just seeing him go through that experience before me was like a I don't know it felt it was really useful yeah did he get you into things comedy was a big thing for us growing up um and like literally my education is through watching tv comedies yeah. and film comedies over and over again like I can quote horrendous amounts of comedy <laughs> verbatim at you like only fools and horses or 40 towers and Dan was sort of obsessed with that sort of stuff and he had such a sticky memory that he really could quote the, even better than I can he would just he just he would out of nowhere he'd be able to quote these things back and then but he also got me into films like he was he loved Blazing Saddles or Mel Brooks movies stuff like that and so I was watching this stuff way younger than yeah. I probably should have been did you watch Spaceballs yes we were obsessed with Spaceballs. Same here. I loved that film. Like <laughs> Pizza the Heart, yeah. Pizza the Heart. I remember thinking this was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. But I think because we were so into Star Wars as well. And I, I remember as a kid thinking it was hilarious. You watch it now, and like it's deemed in the amongst certainly people who work in comedy, it's yeah. like a, a a blackened word like Spaceballs. Yeah. Do you know what? I've still got a real soft spot for it, and on my iTunes, I hate to say this, <laughs> I've I've uh, ripped the you know the, the theme tune. You know, space yes. Fall. Oh my god! I've, yeah. I, I I whenever I need to pick me up, that's really <laughs> I love listening to that. So did Dan get you into those sort of films as well? Completely that and sport especially. So yeah, he, you said he was really in sport. My God, yeah, he was he was obsessed with particularly football. He was a massive Crystal Palace fan. Um, and we can come on to this. So these anniversaries of sporting things have become like a, a major thing for Dan. And it's Sod's law that Palace should get to the FA Cup final the year afterwards. But that's sort of him in a nutshell. <laughs> but but other things like the Grand National, you know, which, um, again, as I get older, like I have a sort of more mixed feelings about because obviously you really you don't want, you don't want anything bad to happen yeah it's it's hard the grand national isn't it right because i was into it as a kid because my granny was my granny used to place pound bet on it every year so, and it wasn't until i got older i was like oh this is bad isn't it <laughs> i know and i've so I ha- these my emotions really do have combat now every april when this happens but he was he he got me right into it we used to learn all the horses names you know, and because of him i can now tell you who won it any year <laughs> annoyingly i have this information wow. in my head and so they're just stuff like that so a lot of sport a lot of films, TV, and then music. Like with his pocket money, he used to buy like virtually every single. Like we, we, and my sister had a, a junior disco record player <laughs> with like lights on it and stuff. Amazing. And so we would, we, we. But probably I'm more of an '80s music kid than a '90s music kid because I got sort of exposed to it through my brother much earlier than I think a lot of my friends did. So. Like, if it was, you know, those absolute radio stations, I'd always be absolute 80s, not absolute uh, 90s. I'm absolute 70s. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What got him so into sport? Were your parents into it? Like, Well, not really. You know, with my mum, certainly not. Yeah. I think the story goes that one of my dad's friends took Dan to his first Crystal Palace match. Right. When I think he was about nine years old. Eight, nine. So just before I turned up, I think. Right. And Dan was hooked from then on. Wow. And so that so that's when the football started. I know that much. But as for the other sports, and that's a really good question, I, I think he just picked it up. And yeah. because he had this really retentive memory, I think sport sort of rewards you for yes. being interested. <laughs> facts. Right, yeah. facts and stats. I think that was something that really probably appealed to him. But he literally just drank it all in. And the, the absolute sort of apex of it was the London Olympics. When oh, really? I mean, he literally, he was in Hulk 7. <laughs> it was amazing. So just all of it, was it like from opening ceremony to closing ceremony, he was just oh, happy? Oh, yes. Like, <laughs> he, was, he was so proud of the fact that we sort of beat the booking system because we both got virtually nothing in the ballot. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But we found out that, in fact, I think he, he found that, he said, he said, John, if you go on the ticket website this is like months later it was like i don't know like three months before the game yeah they still had some tickets didn't yeah. they he yeah. said he said there's stuff on here and so every day we'd go on and it would say i mean like i know archery heats yeah. uh 9 a.m we're like okay i'll go to that and like modern pentathlon okay go to that <laughs> table tennis goes by the end we both went to something every day we had like 20 wow. events and everyone else was like how have you got all these tickets we're like well we just anyone could get them but no one really cared until the game started yeah and dan was just he just the whole atmosphere i genuinely think it was the most sort of important moment in his life and he just and the paralympics as well you know he did he any sport like that he just got absolutely any sport yeah it just didn't matter what as long as people were being measured for doing something oh my god like he phoned me out he said john there's the warm-up hockey event (laughs) uh do you want to go it's like uh england's like under 21s versus namibia should we go? It's like twenty quid. I'm like, 
I guess if you're a sports fan, that's like your Edinburgh Festival, isn't it, for comedy? Oh, but what, I think it was like Edinburgh times a, a hundred. If, yeah. if, if, have, if people have been to the Fringe who, who are listening, but yeah. it was that you're, you're absolutely right. People forget just how lovely London was at yeah. that point as well. So I think, as well as the sport, I think, and, and for someone like Dan, and we'll, we'll come on to this, I'm sure he was quite a quite a solitary person, and he went to these events. So he, we went to a couple together, but a lot of them he went to on his own, and he was perfectly happy in that situation. And I think the way London was at that point, it was so welcoming that yeah. I think for someone who did tend to go to things on their own, it must have felt like such a warm environment, that whole Olympic Park. When we go around there now, like just sort of remembering Dan or just for whatever we as a family do, those memories are still really, really vivid. It's yeah. it's weird. So what did he do? What was his job? It, this is complicated. So he... Um, by so for context, so Dan died uh, just about this time last year, so mm. June 2015, and he wasn't working. Got him diagnosed right to the end, near the end of his life. He was autistic, uh, or had something uh, uh, on the autism on spectrum. spectrum yeah. yeah, possibly Asperger's. I would right. I would say, but uh, that's me as his brother speaking anecdotally. But it was never picked up in childhood. Wow. And so he he had to cope with quite a lot, I think. Mm. And I mean, personally, through Dan's experience, I think there must be thousands of people out there in in this country and even more around the world who, of his generation, I mean, kids now, I think the the support networks are it's much, much, much more better. known about. It's yeah. taught like again, I'm with similar age. There was no one at my school who was ever. There was just difficult children, mm. you know. And my mum. Um, it's very dyslexic and she grew up where you know the dyslexics were put in different class and literally told you're idiots and we didn't grow up with that but I think the autistic children of our gen yeah suffered in the way that maybe a dyslexic might have you know 50 years beforehand it's yeah. just not it just wasn't a thing was it no like, no and so as a and as his brother growing up you'd, you'd have noticed that you know Dan was quite solitary and again had this incredible memory yeah. and now now through sort of the the mainstream media, you know, events like things like a curious instant of the dog, dog in the, in the night, night time. yeah, they have brought um, sort of through fiction this sort of subject matter into people's heads in a way that it really wasn't before. And I now look back and think, oh well, that makes an awful lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and so, if it, so that's a long way around to saying he he wasn't working, but really he, that's he was he was very physically unwell. He was quite he was sort of he's shorter than me, about five two, but he was he was really overweight. And so I think there was a horrible combination sort of manifesting itself th through his probably what was going on in his head. Yeah. And then he basically he he had diabetes. And so he wasn't really working because of that, although he was only half diagnosed with that. It was all very sort of complicated. Oh, it's really so tricky, it well. isn't it? When it's stuff that doesn't make sense till later. How did he die? What happened? So he'd been unwell and was was overweight, and I would take him to the doctors. Or the context for it is, I'm, I don't have this. Uh, this isn't written down, but I would say he was addicted to sugar. Right. Okay. And so he he had a diet which was a lot of Coca Cola yeah. and a lot of fast food. Um, you know this whole sugar tax that's coming in. I think Dan is a, a real case in point that people really do eat Need and help drink with very that, bad. Yeah. yeah, and it was, but he couldn't stop a bit like people who can't stop smoking or drinking and um because dan was quite private the the, the timeline was we all went met up at my mum's for a sort of sunday lunch and dan didn't show up and because he was so private we thought well that's just dan he's probably not very well no. or he just decided he's made, might be asleep or something and then the following day we still couldn't get hold of him and that night i remember i went to see a play in, in london and called my mum or she called me quite late that night which in itself was strange because my mum you know usually go to bed quite early yeah and she was like i'm still i'm worried about dan we haven't heard from him. i said yeah i know what you mean and dan was living in kensington and i said i could go there now and see if he's there but if if all's being well he'll be asleep so i wouldn't yeah I, i'll go first thing in the morning and she said okay do that so i left home where I live in Wood Green, and I went all the way to sort of near Ells Court, sort mm. of Kensington area, on my own. On the it was a Tuesday morning, last June, and uh, I was texting him and phoning him, and we were all trying to get in touch. And we thought, this is weird. He's not normally this this private, private. Yeah. And so in my head, because I sometimes will think of worst case scenarios, yeah. I thought, oh dear, I think something bad might have happened mm. here, and 
to be, and I don't know if other people have had this experience in in this situation. Even before I left the house, just as I was left, I started googling. Oh my god! What what do you do in yeah. in this sort of situation? Because I just thought, blimey, this is this could be really quite bad. And yet, mm. I wouldn't wasn't allowing myself to think about it properly because you don't want to. Yeah, part of your brain is preparing, and the other part is like la la la. Right, yeah. or let's just deal with it when we. Yeah, does does not even think about it. Yeah. yeah. So I uh, I remember walking down the road and just thinking, you know, I don't know what I'm going to find. And strangely, sort of usefully, the, the the front door to his building, which was like a house which had a, had flats yeah. in it, was ajar. So I thought I was going to have to wait for someone to let me in because I didn't have keys and I hadn't been to Dan's house, his flats for nine years since because he wouldn't let anyone come wow. and visit him. So and since I'd moved him in, I'd never seen it. Wow. And I often said oh can I come round and he'd be like no 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 I'm, I'll meet you somewhere else mm. and so I didn't have a key or anything and so I got to his flat and banged on the door and there was no answer and so I did what I thought was the sort of safest thing so I called out and said Dan if you're in there if you're not well I'm gonna, I'm calling 999 now you know someone will be here soon straight to 999 the police said they, they send the police an ambulance and so I, I sort of called out Dan they're coming phoned his number again I could hear his phone was in there oh god and so I was left. It took an hour for the police oh, to come. Oh, God. And I was, and an ambulance never came. And, yeah. Just never showed up? No. Oh, man. Yeah. And I was left for an hour on my own outside the doorstep thinking my brother might be dead upstairs. And what had happened, we found out in the post, the police came and found him and yeah, he, he had passed away, was uh, that he uh, had a diabetic coma. So... You really th- th- that was yeah, sort of hypoglycemia and, yeah. and that, that's what had accounted for him but we we although we can we can tell from sort of his internet activity roughly when it might have happened but we don't know precisely wow when when it happened and so all those tests that have been negative it just wasn't picked up the the, the key thing is hard to remember that for anyone in this situation that you never no one was thinking at any time yeah. that he was in imminent danger we were we knew he was unwell and we were trying to We'd been trying to go into lose weight for years and we just started thinking, well, maybe we should try and look at the root cause, which is maybe his his mental states and with the with the autism. And maybe we can if he understands his situation better, that might sort of help facilitate him to Mm. get better because nothing else had worked. But no one thought anything like this was coming. That's how it happened. So I guess you had a very unusual experience. You're going to flat. It's happened. Mm. You know, you're not sort of seeing someone go through it. It's there. Can you remember sort of that first hour, right? Or is it all a bit of a blur and what happened afterwards? I remember it quite... I've, again, this is taking after him. I've got quite a sticky memory. So I've, I can remember quite a lot of it. And I mean, I never saw him. Um, right. The, the police gave me the opportunity to. And oh, yes. I mean, what a, what a question <laughs> to yeah. be asked. And I chose... And I spoke to my... I had two opportunities, if I remember right, that went... So what happened was in the timeline, so I had to wait an hour. Mm. Um, I I couldn't think of who to call at that point. And so I, I, I phoned up Sarah, who's my ex-girlfriend. She'd been... We'd been together for 13 years. And right, yeah. We'd split up the year before, so she was still the person yeah. to call. And she very kindly came over from Finsbury Park. But oh, wow. it took a while. She arrived just as the policeman was explaining the situation. So what happened was the police arrived. I was on my own. As they arrived at the door, I heard on the radio these two policemen. One of them was obviously talking to control or something. And they said that, no, he's not in any of the hospitals. So that was the other thought that was in my mm. head. Maybe he's not well and yeah, we has get to gone him, yeah. to the hospital. But they were able to confirm without even telling me because I heard them talking about it that he wasn't there. So that increased the likelihood that he was upstairs. I showed them the, the flat and uh, they bashed the door in. And they said, do you mind waiting outside in the hall while we check the premises or anything but, but actually the first thing I remember them saying they, they bashed the door down and said one of them said is he in there and the other one went yeah he's in there and obviously at that point mm. you know I sort of knew and yeah. and then they said well, can you wait out here for 10 minutes we have to do a check of the property you know it, it could have been a crime yeah. who, who knows and so I was left standing on a, a landing knowing that my brother had died and not, and not knowing what to do and at that point I remember very vividly not even knowing whether to stand or sit. Yeah, it, it seemed it, such a weird, such a weird feeling. It almost felt disrespectful to sit on the steps because what do you do when your your brothers die? So that that's what was going through my head. And and then as the there, there was this one older policeman and a younger chap who talked, was the one who was going to tell me everything. And he said, "Let's go. Out, should we go outside and I can talk to you there and get some fresh air?" It wasn't very 
to, it wasn't very nice block of flat so it was yeah. nice to get outside and um that's when sarah appeared and so i was running down the street and so she was there with me when the the policeman explained what they'd found and then they said they need to do some more checks and everything so could i stay locally and then they give me the opportunity again i think to, he said a second chance to to look at dan if i wanted to and I, I had the chance then so then i had to speak to my mum and my sister oh so you had to tell them so i had to tell oh. my mum that her son had died and my sister that her brother had died and that was that's the probably one of the hardest things i've ever had to do maybe the hardest thing i've ever had to do that was that was horrible and obviously they were both in uh, absolute you know the shock, shock and the yeah. we'd all had a, i think maybe in our own heads that this was a possibility but you know they they were <laughs> that goes without saying incredibly upset we mm. all were and um and then I, I went for a cup of tea in the sort of local cafe just w not knowing what to do with myself and 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 then the police said okay we now we you know we could if you if you don't want to see the the situation then you know we need to do our stuff and we encourage you to you know maybe go and see your family now so i went to croydon where i'm from to to see my mum from there and that was sort of the beginning of a sort of two or three week period of just sort of utter change because mm -hmm. up until the f the funeral life sort of stops really it's goes into a very weird stasis doesn't it just it yeah. exists around you but you're not part of it <laughs> and so you're sort of watching the world but yeah it's not happening nothing's happening with you that's right and 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 we so the the emotions i remember really vivid obviously the, the hurt and the upset mm. and the the, the sort of family tragedy was the most overpowering thing by a long long way then of course you immediately in, in this situation you're, you're you're thinking is there anything i could have done do you yeah. feel like you failed in some way because i was probably the one who was closest to dan on a daily basis because mainly because of our link with things like sport we yeah. we'd phone we'd phone each other and have small talk about sports mm. and latterly i would use it as a sort of way in to try and say have you been to the gym or whatever but he really only wanted to talk about the things he, he loved, which yeah. is, and that's the thing. He, one, if when I try and look on the bright side, as as you know, as any comedian would, um, you, I feel very much that he lived every moment how he wanted to, which probably contributed to his situation. He never thought, "What should I do?" It was always, yeah. "What do I want?" Sort of Epicurean lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. He didn't know he was doing it, but so I can at least sort of. That's a, some consolation. That oh, you yeah, like you have to find something. Yeah. <laughs> because it's so bleak. Yeah. <laughs> My dad was diagnosed um, with cancer but, and died very quickly after the diagnosis. And everybody was like, I mean, he would have hated being ill. And even though it's like, well, I would have quite liked some long ill time to get used to it. It's true. He would have absolutely hated You know, you have to find these things of like, even though it ends with a death. That's right. And and it, I've, I've seen that, that, sadly, people, yeah, but again, cancer is a very, very strange thing but i think the, the strangest thing about it is the almost the fact that that our diagnostic science has overtaken our sort of curing yeah, <laughs> science yeah. because it's 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 not natural for us to know when we're going to die or know yeah. when a loved one's going to die and so with dan uh, and with my dad it, it was it was a real it was still a surprise and a shock it was i knew dan was a, if you said to me are you surprised that something bad happened to Dan given the state of his health I would have to say no I'm not 100% surprised am I surprised that it, rather than being hospitalised or something there being a sort of aggravation that, that he just died yeah. oh my god yes yeah. and with cancer that sense that uh, there's this strange time timer put on it it makes it even harder because you sort of, you're grieving with someone for them mm. and then all over again and it's these different forms of grief i know we, it's we, incredible it's so weird because how you that's the thing with cancer you get a, you know a formal warning letter <laughs> like it is going to happen so wow. even if it's quick you know what i mean so i know people who you know it's taken two years or a year and a half and mine was my dad took two months i think so obviously it was it was a massive shock because it you know in your head cancer takes longer than that he just you know got unlucky it's very different i guess to getting that you know, standing outside that flat and being like, oh, it's done. Because, of course, you don't want to think, even if someone's ill, you don't... Like, you, I can imagine very clearly what you mean, it's not going to happen like that. 
like I might get a hospital call or I might, you know, find out he has got diabetes and we need to deal with that. But yeah, the shock of these things is, but I think even if it's been two years, it's, st it's still a bit of a shock. It's still. Yeah, well, we're just yeah. coming up with just having the one year anniversary yeah. now. And so things, and we can talk about that because anniversaries, are th that the, the way the year works in one sense, it shouldn't matter at all just because the earth is in the same position yeah. around the sun. But it does, it, especially but it with grief. Really it really does. It really does. It really does. And yeah. the, the strange thing is that, yeah, I mean, I didn't have, yeah, that, that lack of warning, I, 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 I can't call it a blessing. That Obviously, it's, it's, mm. it's horrific. But because Dan was ill for a long time, there was a, a thought in my head that he could end up having a really bad second half of his life, that mm. if the diabetes really took hold, he could have... Been, ended up blind or you know with amputations and this is someone who going to see his sport I mean he he found he was his mobility wasn't great by the end and yet somehow as my mum always says how did he get himself to all these sporting <laughs> yeah. events he, he you know with difficulty but he did it because of his sort of sheer bloody mindedness and and the love of it so the thought of him not being able to enjoy those things he loved is almost not it's not as harrowing obviously not being no, here but, but it's painful it's a, yeah. it's a different thing and yeah. so the other thing I was going to say was all this pain and everything is one of the things that happens after the event. The other thing is, though, I had this, I've got this, and it, I don't want to sound too glib about it, but I remember this enormous sense of wanting that sort of that period of those three weeks where everything's just to be over. Mm, yeah. And it's a sense of almost it was boring. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean, because everything stops. And so you can't, and you can't be, you can't be distraught all the time. So you have these moments where you're just sort of, you're just not really existing, mm. which is boring. It's definitely boring. Like that's when I, I developed an obsession for soap operas. Like I literally, I watched from like, you know, I'd start with Neighbours, Home and Away, EastEnders, Carnation Street, Emmerdale, Hollyoaks. Like I did the lot, which could cover you up to about nine o'clock <laughs> because I think I just needed not, to not just be with those thoughts or yeah I remember my mum coming in about six months later and I was really into Emmerdale which I've never been into ever I'm not not an Emmerdale fan and my mum was like are you watching Emmerdale again so I said yeah she was like it's gone too far those first couple of weeks three weeks are very strange and you can't cry all the time no. you know um no that's right and it, it really that sense of because it it focuses um your your grief so sharply for that period where you know as you say you're not you're not really going into work or you know it, just normal time normal patterns get disrupted so yes. much that i found that really strange but and of course i mean dam is 43 it was it was no age at all really mm. and yeah it's all these things are colliding at once it's a very strange I sort of understood those kind of religious things of like my family aren't particularly religious, but you understand that like everybody coming round and the food being brought round. And I, I sort of wish we were religious so that like people could cover up mirrors or something. Something could happen because you're just sort of all in this house. Not quite, not quite sure what you should be doing. I think is the other thing. Everyone's a bit like what should, because you can't have a great time, <laughs> but you end up chatting about them and laughing and, you know, you end up having Mem remembering them often at that little that little brief period but it's very strange no one no one gives you a guidebook of you know we all know how to do birthdays like right get a cake have family sing done but those sort of after death days are like should we be is this like we're meant to be doing <laughs> did people understand did people understand the state that you were in like your friends or i mean i guess some friends did but did you feel did you have that isolating feeling of like nobody gets what's going on the, the isolating thing is something different. The, the friends were, were brilliant. Mm. Lots of my friends really, really rallied round. I, <laughs> I won't call out any exceptions. No. <laughs> <laughs> Apart um, from yeah, Rob. Ex yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I was really impressed actually by how sort of eloquent and compassionate a lot of my friends were, some of whom had never had anything like this. Yeah. And the... The sort of I, this solitary side of things happens sort of at the same time, so mm. they you they both can understand and can't understand. And yet, I think I was I was given enough. No one was molly coddling me too much yeah. or giving me you know treating me differently. Particularly, mm. I think I, I was quite lucky with that. And work was fantastic as well. I'm, I'm, this might be a simplistic way of looking at it, but I tend to look at life in 
you've got sort of three legs of the stool and there's your personal life sort of family life your sort of relationship life and your work life mm. and as long as it's very rare that all three of those are all completely go- fucked <laughs> yeah. well it's, it's, rare, it's rare that all three of them are going great <laughs> I yeah, think actually yeah. you know, in terms of people when they're especially going through grief you know obviously one of those is in deep trouble yeah and i so basically i had to lean on the work bit quite hard at that point and all my colleagues the support network at hatrick were fantastic and i was i realized how lucky i am and i bet there are people who go through similar situations who aren't quite as lucky with their work situation and mm. probably in 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 that those environments they'll need their friends even more because they'll have a sort of sense of isolation when they're at work but because i i'm so lucky to do something you know comedy <laughs> something yeah. i love as a as a job and something which in essence is supposed to make you feel better about the situation then that helped enormously and quite soon afterwards because i'm literally in the same as i'm talking to you now it's the, it's that same period this is this time last year was between yeah. dan dying and the funeral and we recorded an episode of this excellent but uh <laughs> little known radio four comedy called dave podmore which we do oh, yeah yeah dave podmore. oh cool yeah. right, yeah. great so he's like the sort of alan partridge of cricket yeah, you'd say. yeah and we do one a year at the moment and uh i remember so everyone was saying, well, do you, do you want to do this or not? And we quite understand if you would rather take mm. a, a back seat. But but I, I love the show and I thought it was really important that I tried to, you know, keep my brain working, particularly when it's something which is so much fun to do. Yeah. So having that outlet was, I was very, very lucky with that, as well as Friends on Top. So that made a big difference. Did you understand yourself? Did you have a, a moment where you're like what the fuck is happening to me or were you sort of again the work just absorbed all of that i think and i this is this might sound strange i think i probably got one of those moments yet to come oh yeah, yeah because yeah. and this is the true with the experience of my dad it took about a year mm. before i mean obviously you're gre- the, you're you're bereaved you're grieving and it's one of the most i mean to, both these moments are the worst moments of my life it goes mm. without saying but i think it does take a while for these things to work their way through the system yeah definitely. And, and i found with dan that uh, because sport was such a big thing and maybe this is helping me i don't know but it certainly sometimes it feels like helping sometimes it feels it's not the sporting calendar is throwing up these moments where for the first time i'm there's a grand national without dan or yeah. there's an fa cup final without dan which happens to be crystal palace so i went with my mum yeah. on dan's behalf so it's very sad but we're glad we did it and yeah. having gone through a year of that i'm feeling like i'm slightly coming out of that period but you do think i remember thinking sort of kicking myself i, t- I often take things personally like it's not my fault, but that I could, should. Is there more I could have done? Yeah, it, and that 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 comes and goes. For a while, it was always nagging away in my head, and friends would always say, "No, remember, you know that you you kept trying. You did you everything did a brother could. could." Yeah, but it doesn't feel like that. Mm. You always think, "Yes, but." I think that takes time. I think that where over time you get better at going at, at forgiving yourself. In, in the role or just having the hindsight to stand back and look at your own narrative and go oh yes if someone told me about that person I would think they did enough but when you're so still in it it's really hard to step back and go oh you could have done this you could have, you know because of course this that's again the human instinct of what else I think that's really interesting I've, we've talked about this on the podcast before that the first year is is such a big thing and the thing I was told which I I really like is that you have to go through each season so you have to have spring without them summer without them and I think that's so nice that you not nice but really interesting that you you have to have Grand National without him yeah I mean that's this is the thing you see and this is it's very sad the the sense that all these things that he's now missed Mm. so to take the Euros it's it's I can't believe it's 20 years since Euro 96. Oh, yeah. Can no. you believe it? Yeah, it's and, really weird. And Dan went to every England game at Wembley and and the final. Wow. He, he, he used to sort of chuckle away at the fact that he managed to get these tickets, official tickets, and they cost back then 150 quid for all of them. Wow. 
I think now what would a one ticket cost yeah. for an England game? And it, 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 the idea of England playing a big tournament without him, or last year, he was like the, the Olympics, he Dan thought the next big one was going to be the Rugby World Cup. Right. We, we had last, au- yeah. last, last autumn, last winter. And he had tickets to that. We were going to go to games together. And so these these sort of big events that are, that come up really do both bring home the sort of the positives that when I watch, you watch a documentary about that Gaza goal and, yeah. and my brother was there. And, and I'm, I remember think, I'm thinking, where was he? Because I, 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 damn it, I didn't ask him where he was sitting or I've forgotten where he said he was sitting. I'm, I can't ask him. One of the weirdest things with, with I found with grief in the 21st century, you'd say, I don't know if you've had this or anyone else has mentioned this, you feel like, but I, surely I could just give him a call. Oh, the the lack of communication is, <laughs> is like the most frustrating thing. Yeah, it's really, it's really strange that because we have everything on tap to not be able to go, I just... Um, I've said this to other people, I just need two minutes because I need to ask that one thing. If that's all I can get, it's just to say, where did you put that thing? Or who was that who said that to you? Because I can't remember what... Yeah, it's so frustrating, it's, isn't it? It's so weird how the telecommunications has... It really, really affects how you feel about it. You keep, I kept thinking, oh, well, I, oh, he's just not answering his texts. Or, mm. you know, or, or it feels almost like, mate, oh, he must just, he's got a new number. <laughs> or yeah. something. It's, it's so peculiar. And I think... Again, as you say, in a more sort of secular age that we're living in, when I think most people aren't imagining that they're going to pray to their mm. sort of lost loved ones, that strangely, in a really sort of abstract way, this sort of the idea that they, because most of our friends, most of the time, we've got you've got we've got a phone in front of us here, yeah. like that's how your friends live. They live sort of through your phone, and yeah. so. You almost think, what's the difference? It's just—it's so odd that you now can't reach them. It—it's it's a really strange feeling. Have you still got texts from him or emails and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, quite a few. And and <clears throat> I've kept my old phones not just for that, but but I need to try and get those things off because that's it, fascinating. Like, how do we live in a world where it's not pieces of paper? Mm. My because my dad died quite a long time ago. We had um, a dictaphone recording of him, so only played on this old dictaphone, which. I, I mean, I need to ask my mum where that's gone because it used to be in what was his office and I'd occasionally play like five seconds of it and then be like, don't, you can't, can't handle it. And there's VHSs and my uncle recently found like a, you know, cine film of like them as like little kids. And now we live in a world of like, how do you get it off a Nokia? (laughs) Like, I feel like we do want to have these things to hold a bit like a photo is. That's, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Photos, uh, we're the generation, um, I'm in my, mid 30s yeah, um, we'll take that <laughs> that um so having lived through sort of the birth of digital photos yeah. and before that when when i was a kid yeah photos were they they'd get dog-eared and a bit the color would fade over yeah. time and you'd put them in albums and they were they were quite important family you know relics oh as yeah it were. sitting down with the photo album right whereas <laughs> now you we all take thousands of photos oh. and i don't know anyone's like me where in my sort of photos on on my mac i you, when you've taken like five of one photo, you still think, "Well, I won't delete them just in case." So <laughs> they all just sort of sit there. Yeah. And so I've got loads of photos of Dan, but I do, I don't think I've got much in the way of video or or yeah. or audio, and that so I have to remember Dan's voice in my head. And same with same with my dad. And I remember actually when it comes to a dictaphone, because my, my dad used to be an estate agent when we were kids. Me and when, when my sister and I were very little and. He had dictaphones. We used yeah. to play with them. Yeah, yeah, they were and, amazing. And so we we would like record if we go to like there's a the Horniman Museum like in South London. Oh, yeah. We'd go there and we and we'd sort of record a little commentary. The two of us are going <laughs> through it. Go, yeah, and, and I, I, this is one of the saddest memories I've got that from growing up when I accidentally recorded over a tape of me and my sister talking. Oh. And there's the tiniest bit of it left, and that sense that we're never going to hear, be able to hear those voices yeah. again, and. And so I always say to people, is yeah, even is with with you, even though it would be painful to listen to that tape of your dad, yeah. it's so much better to know it's there. Than yeah, I need to know where. I actually genuinely don't know what's happened to it because <laughs> it's one of those things that is just at your mum's house for ages. This cine film my uncle recently showed me, he he'd put it onto the computer, and it blew my mind because I'd never seen a video of my dad aged eight, obviously. And I think you know, in the future, that will be much more common to see mm. you know videos of, of people 
but we yeah we don't have, have any we don't have really having much video of him at all. I think there's one from like a, a teenage birthday, but it was so bizarre mm. to see the child them you know moving around. Just like yeah, my brain was completely like, and how much he looks like my nephew. And so I think yeah, it's funny the the text and emails. I don't have any because he died just before the birth of sort of that. So that he was very into the internet. I have a letter that he wrote me because it's his hand, the handwriting, you know, those silly things that make you go, oh, that's so something in there that is them. Yeah, it's more tangible, isn't it? If it's, yeah. if it, it's something about old school technology. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, I don't know if I've got anything like that with Dan, but I want to go back through you know, all those boxes of stuff or stuff I've got on my computer yeah. because you never know, there might be something we've got in the family. But. And it's still very early for you I think that first year it, it's difficult to go through those scenes I definitely like I definitely didn't listen to that dictaphone for a long time you're just dealing with so much rawness and pain that it takes a while to be able to like look at the photos and the emails and stuff like that and be like oh okay well, now I can see some you know a letter and feel sad but not feel like oh my god I can't I can't breathe I won't be able to do anything for the next five hours you know although I have to say seeing the cine film was that was a real, having not seen him move <laughs> for so long, a moving image, I did find really, I think it helped that it was a person I didn't recognise because he was uh, eight. Yeah. So I was like, okay, it's really upsetting, but also I don't really, I haven't got a connection to that person. And, and how did it make you feel about your own mortality? Because <laughs> obviously, suddenly so aware of life and death. and Right, yeah. <laughs> that's a big question. <laughs> no, it Just, does, it does. It, yeah, did it make you suddenly think, oh, there's no point to all of this. No, no. <laughs> I'm more. I like to think I'm more positive than that. But I mean, it's occasionally it strikes me that I mean, I've now had two premature deaths on the male side of my family, yeah. and that I'm the last one. Wow. Uh, so my dad died at 57, and my brother died at 43. So I'm not liking the trend. <laughs> um, yeah, that so does make you more aware of your own. I, I think it, it makes. Yeah, it does. It makes. I mean, I'm. I'd like to think. Touch wood. There you go. We're both touching wood. Yeah, that um, that I'm healthier at this point than either of they were. The way they treat treated themselves. Has that been um, a motivation for you to avoid that path? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. with my dad, it meant. I mean, I didn't. I was completely teetotal at university. Um, Probably stupidly. <laughs> well, an idiot. I think I was overcompensating for the fact yeah. that I'd seen what it can do and I didn't want to be like that. And likewise with, with Dan, you know, I've, I've drunk plenty of Coke in my time. But we weirdly, and this is a bit of a sidetrack, but now when I go to the pub, like a, a, a glass of orange juice or something is so expensive yeah. and Coke is so bad for you. That I've come full circle, and now I'd have a beer <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's probably like relatively a healthy choice. Medieval style is actually better for you than anything else, right? Yeah. So all these things, yeah, I, I, I do think sometimes it makes you realise how tenuous yeah. everything is, and makes you appreciate what you've got as well as what you've lost. Mm. It's a really strange double track that that the bereavement. And not to say there's a positive side of it, but it does sharpen your sense of what you've got. I think particularly in this, in working in the creative field, I I don't know if other people feel like this, but it always feels a little bit like you're not, you're not there yet. Mm, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the good thing is... Just around the corner. Around the corner, yeah. One I more mean, job. <laughs> right. The parallel I always have in my head is, you know, Wallace and Gromit? Yeah, yeah. You know, in the wrong trousers where there's the, they're, they're sort of chasing each other on the train set. Yes. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, and, and it Gromit, suddenly switches. Well, or Gromit has to... He's got, he oh, picks he's up the track the tra and he's laying the track <laughs> as he goes. And for years, I've always felt like that's what my career wow, is like. Wow, that is such a good metaphor for being a self-employed creative. You literally are... The train is going faster than you can and you are having to lay the track. Yeah, and, and all you're doing is hoping that you're not going to hit that bar, yeah. that kitchen cabinet yeah, at the yeah. end. And it always, that's what it's always felt like to me, that yeah. that's what I've been doing. And I've... It, it's good because it makes you... It, good. It's, again, I'm absolutely... It's quality, no, it's you, qualitative yeah, terms. Yeah. But it just makes you realise that Sometimes it's worth looking back at what you have done. I mean, so so not you read out, you know, what I've done because yeah, you know, at, at, well, at this point, you know, no one knows who I am particularly, and yet it's it's nice to be reassured to, to remember that oh, I've, I've done some okay I've done things, some, yeah. you know, and and I think we're we're all quite guilty of sometimes 
not giving ourselves enough credit or mm. a pat on the back for dealing with what we have done and 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 also coping with whether it's your professional life or friends or whatever it is i think and i don't know if this is an english trait or a british trait or just something we all do but it's very easy to to not give yourself enough credit for what, yeah. for what we all do and so somehow this situation has sometimes sometimes allows me to remind myself well you're not doing too badly <laughs> yeah no i think that's really really important and a really it is difficult to talk about grief in a positive way but there are positives to it like you know my mum always says that like stuff came out of that situation that was good and as awful as that th that you know explosion in your life is that's human nature for some you know good good and bad stuff it basically runs alongside each other very very tightly and i think that's what i sort of learned when i was going through it of like oh it's it's just really complicated <laughs> it's like it's not like oh this is awful a girl will never be happy it's like oh well it is awful but also this thing happened that's actually made me much stronger and and now i can i appreciate things more i mean you have to grab you have to grab the good things because there's so much shit <laughs> right you know, like but that isn't that that's the that's why that's w probably why we're talking now is mm. the, because we don't talk about death yeah and we it's it's the one thing oh what's that is that quote about it, isn't it it's, it's the one thing we're all going to do well, yes. one of the few things yeah. we're all going to do yeah is die and everyone around us will die and it's a, it's i think i do think it's a slightly cultural thing. i think some cultures talk about it far more openly yeah. and constructively than perhaps we in the sort of developed western world have been funneled into doing we we really don't talk about it enough and it's been interesting so you talk about good and bad so that my sister she had her baby at yeah. christmas so obviously the the sadness that dan's not around uh, is palpable but the strange thing of new life yeah and as you say these again these twin tracks between the the negative and the positive has in our case been like quite obviously manifested in mm. my niece and uh it's really it is strange how we don't talk about it enough but i found particularly my sister she's so strong and um and we we've talked about it more than perhaps i thought we might and yeah it like you say it's not that it's positive or yeah, good I wouldn't but it's recommended no but <laughs> I it's would be like you should definitely go through this yeah uh, but, but if you do there is some things that can come out of it that's that right are not awful that's right and and it and it teaches you stuff about yourself mm. and about like it's a sort of strange invigoration even yeah like, like the like a cold shower times a million yeah but but there's something that i yeah like you said it, it is not a 100 percent negative bleak appalling experience yeah. there are there are other aspects to it and i think that's important to remember because i think though like you said those first three weeks those first hour it's it's it just is the bleakest thing in the world and as a human you think well this is it i will never be happy i will never smile like it's just you can't and suddenly you will laugh or someone says something about them oh they would have hated this you know waiting around and you think oh yeah i will still survive i will and i think especially new like new life it just that really highlights for everybody. Life goes on. All these cliches that you suddenly yeah. go, oh, they exist for a reason because they're true. <laughs> like, you know, it does make everybody appreciate those things. Important that we start going, okay, there are good things that come out of it. There is so it's just it's not as black and white as good or bad. Like, not at all. Yeah. And and I think it's, it's strange. There's a strange. There are two sides to it. There's the there's the mourning, which is the obvious yes. mourning with a U. Um, side of it but then there's celebration and yeah. I, I noticed that there was a definite switch in my head with Dan when it came to the funeral which is something I was, I, I was dreading but was a really cathartic experience mm. more than I thought it would be when I thought what am I going to do for Dan yeah. and part of me thought because I did a lot of music when I was a kid should I sing a song and I think we weren't sure what would be the right thing and so I, I wrote something which uh, I hope <laughs> was funny so I said some jokes and then I'd played an audio montage of some of Dan's favorite comedy clips and to try and set and that the whole service had a feeling of celebrating the things he loved. Mm. And I think when we sort of that's a good way of taking control of grief when you can focus on why you love them and the fact that they're going to remain 
alive in your memories mm. and all, all their friends' memories. That's like when you see in, say, a football match and someone dies, so, so an old footballer dies, yeah. and they'll sometimes have a minute's silence and sometimes they won't. They'll have a minute's applause. Oh, wow. And so it depends, and it's interesting the moments when they do it because sometimes you you hear and I'll listen to a match on the radio and they'll have the minute silence and I I would think, oh, it would have been better to have the applause then and really celebrate someone. Yeah. So, it I think you see it more and more. It's it's it's, but it's hard when there's obviously there's a lot of grief when it's too raw to yeah. to any and you don't want to be glib with it. But I found that the that focusing on that side of things, the fact that you were lucky to know them in the first place, yes. and, and to be a part of their life and for them to be a part of your life really is that's that's the biggest positive to draw on and if you can if you can find that in your own head then then that's that makes things an awful lot easier well thank you very much john for talking to us about dan it's really lovely to get to know him thanks very much for having me you can follow john on twitter at john d harvey j-o-n or check out his website dirtytapas.com which has all of his brilliant topical sketches on it thank you for listening to griefcast i've been cariad lloyd you can find me on twitter at lady cariad or you can tweet at the griefcast or email me the griefcast at gmail.com music is provided by the glue ensemble and you can find them at the thank you for listening What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.